Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Food prices have really risen. Every trip to the grocery store is a bit of a shock. Sometimes a regular old gallon of milk, nothing organic, local, fancy about it, will run almost $6. We all know to call this inflation, but how does it really work on the retail level? We decided to ask the people who are putting the products and the prices on the shelves. What's it like to run a market right now, watching your suppliers raise prices, and having to decide when or how to pass those on to your customers. So we'll be talking with local grocers about how bad things have gotten, whether they expect anything to change soon, and maybe where you can still find some bargains to drop into your cart. That's all coming up next. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We love food in our house, and it's practically a fight to see who gets to do the shopping, whether it's Safeway, Berkeley Bowl, or our astonishingly good corner green grocer, Yasai. At the same time, it's impossible not to notice that the prices of just about everything have risen a lot in the last couple of years. And it's not like stuff was cheap here in the Bay Area before that. But inflation isn't some magical entity in the sky. There are companies linking the cow and the bottle of milk. They're paying people, buying equipment, paying distributors to deliver their goods. And there are retailers, of course, who have to finally decide what they're going to charge their customers. So to understand the actual process of rising prices and to help us all economize in this moment, we'd like to welcome some of our local grocers to the show. First up, we've got Chi Dixon, Marketing and Communications Manager there at Berkeley Bowl. Welcome, Chi. Good morning. Thank you. We've got Eric Litschwager, Independent Operator of the Grocery Outlet in the Mission in San Francisco. Welcome, Eric. Uh, Good morning. Happy to be here. And we have Esteban Morales, the operations manager for El Molino Supermarket in Concord. Welcome. Hey, how you doing? Glad hey, to be hey, here. Hey, good. Good. Thanks for joining us. So um, we have three pretty different kinds of grocers here, and I want to give them each a chance to kind of describe the kind of market that they're a part of. Um, Chi, let's start with you at Berkeley Bowl. For those who aren't familiar with the bowl, what's the story of the markets, and like, what kind of customers does the bowl serve? Uh all kinds, really. And when I say all kinds, I, it's not to be clever. We really have everything from corporate executives to, you know, the sort of archetype of the Berkeley resident um, and everything in between. One of our locations is near Cal, so we get a lot of students. The other one is right by the freeway. And so we have people drive down from even Sacramento and further away to come shop with us. So there's there's all walks of life that come through Berkeley Bowl. Um, you know, we are in family-owned independent grocer that started in 1977. 
our name is Berkeley Bowl because we really did start in what was a former bowling alley. Um, if you if you're familiar with Berkeley at all, and you drive on Shattuck, there's a Honda dealership. The Honda before the Honda dealership, there were some other stores, and that's where our store started mm-hmm. before we moved across the street into what used to be a Safeway building. We've got a second location that's off Ashby Avenue near 80. Um, that's our newest location. Our original location opened in 1977. We moved over to the Safeway in uh, was it? It's in 97, I think it was. Sure. Um, and then our store opened um, about 11 years ago cool. on the West, um, in Berkeley Bowl West. Thanks, G. Um, Esteban, you're with El Molino and Concord. And quick shout out for your parent company's tortillas. They're so good. <laughs> um, uh, but tell us about the supermarket um, that, that you, know, you help operate and who comes in there. Uh, thank you for the shout out. Um, that's what we try to pride ourselves on. That was what got our name out there. Um, and actually what let us get this grocery store that we have right here in the same shopping center, um, where we are is a primarily Hispanic, um, Latin American community, whether it's Central American, Mexican, uh, South American. So we, we service just like a, a small section of our little community, since there are about four other grocers in our area who have their own little regular. So for us, it's a lot of the, the same people of the community coming in and out. Yeah. And you carry everything though, right? I mean, you just, it's, yeah, a, it's a full yeah, service everything. supermarket. Yeah. Yeah. Full service supermarket, all departments. Yeah. Meat, uh, bread. We have a little taqueria in there as well. Um, produce. Uh, so yeah, we got it all. Yeah. That's great. Uh, and Eric with grocery outlet. I mean, your market runs a little differently from a standard supermarket, right? Can you tell us a little bit about how uh, a grocery outlet works? Yeah, sure. Um, so there's about 425 uh, grocery outlets throughout the country. Um, each store is independently owned and operated by someone like myself. Uh, we work in partnership with uh, uh, Grocery Outlet Corporation, and they, you know, they they do a lot of the central buying, and uh, they they sort of get out there and find the 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 wow deals for us, and uh, that all goes to a central warehouse, and then each store orders out of that warehouse, and. Uh, you know, our model is more about trying to find these these incredible bargains um, on everyday groceries um, and f- fruits, vegetables, fresh meats, everything you, you can imagine. You know, we'll get it. Um, uh, it started back in the '40s, uh, selling uh, canned goods for, from surplus from the uh, from the military, um, and uh, it just sort of grabbed graduated into what we are today. You know, one of the funny things I've always heard about Grocery Outlet is the wine selection can sometimes be awesome, right? Because you're able to pick up kind of like the odd lots from from really good wineries that, you know, have a little bit of overstock. Yeah, um, our wines are can, abs- can be sometimes just absolute treasures that you can find out there. You know, we'll get bottles of wine that, you know, normally retail for sometimes $100 and we'll have them for 15 15 16 dollars and and that really comes from the similar buying uh, strategies that we have is you know companies come to us when they've just got a little too much and they want to liquidate some some stock you know that all these companies they're they're in the business of selling they're not really in the business of storing and holding on to mm-hmm. product so you know as new vintages come in or new product comes off the, the production line they've, they've got to move it you know it's got to you know, that's not their business model. So yeah. that's where we come in. Esteban, I um, wanted to get into a little bit about how, like, 
inflation feels or works for you. So recently, the Wall Street Journal wrote that at grocery stores, is a quote here, discussions with vendors about price increases are increasingly tense, industry executives said, as retailers worry they'll lose shoppers from sticker shop. So let's say when one of your suppliers comes in and says, hey, look, wholesale milk prices are going up a few percent. Like, what are those conversations? Is that is that how they put it? Does it just sort of like, you know, you go to place your next order and it's a little bit more expensive? Like, how does it actually play out? Well, um, it depends, uh, depending on the product. Sometimes, yeah, they'll, the prices vary. They'll just say, hey, this is what, what we have for this price. Um, let's, are you going to continue the order? We'll kind of have to say yes or no. Or, But we try to, uh, we try to be upfront with, the the vendor at what we're gonna try to uh, to sell so we can kind of work a deal to to um to meet in the middle at times. Because yeah. historically, right, grocers are not like high margin businesses, right? I mean, you're making a little bit of money on on each product, and you need to kind of sell a decent volume, right, in order to sort of make your business work. Correct. Yeah, we it definitely the uh, the margins game is not huge on it. So it's, uh, it's about making sure you're ordering and stocking what you're going to actually move so that we don't sit, like you said, uh, in the business of uh, storing, storing yeah, right. at, uh, grocery outlets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Chief, like for Berkeley Bowl, supplier increases the price of something. When does Berkeley Bowl decide, okay, we got to mark this up on the shelf or, all right, we can eat this cost because we don't want to actually have the price of this particular thing go up right now? Yeah, that's a really tough decision. Um, our founder was always very dedicated to the idea of being able to pass on the best prices and savings to our customers. So we probably eat more than we should in a lot of cases. Um, but it's really challenging for us because, you know, we are we like to think of ourselves as a little bit unique and part of the community. So when we're out there talking to our customers and our customers are giving us feedback, we can't jack up the price of something from $7 to $14 and not expect to hear about it. Um, and nor do we want to do that to anybody. You know, we... We're not a large store. There's two stores. There's not 400 and what was it? 430 stores. Um, there's only the two of us. So we don't have the advantage to leverage the number of stores that we have to be able to drive down the prices in the first place. So we're talking uh, about you know paper thin margins in most cases. And, in, and often in the last couple of years with the, with the pandemic and with the current inflation happening, often those margins have been even thinner than they normally are. Yes. We want to hear from you out there. Listen, you've got three different grocers here. What have you wanted to know about shopping in these trans-pandemic inflationary times? Or have you adjusted the way that you shop or even where you shop? You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. Or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Eric, I imagine in your world, because you're carrying a different mix of products all the time, that you just have to sometimes say, like, well, we're just not going to carry that because it's gotten too expensive. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, if, you know, a product that we're kind of a fan of, um, if the supplier just comes back and says, look, the, we've got to increase the prices to this point, um, if we can't set a retail price where we're going to be, I would say, 30% below a uh, competitor's price, we, we might just make the decision to just not carry that product. Hmm. Um, now, what, what have you to had a, to do that with recently? Anything that comes to mind? Um, there was a vendor recently that we were getting um, uh, packaged nuts and dried fruits from. And the, the price on that just 
it was a very successful program, uh, but I think they, and this sometimes happens, the, the vendor just made too good of a deal. And then they realized <laughs> that they, they weren't making any money and they came back and wanted to raise prices. And we said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. You know, um, yeah. we're just going to move on. Um, but, you know, when it comes to things like eggs and milk, breads, um, you know, at your opening uh, monologue, you, you said, you know, you go and see a gallon of milk for over $6. You know, our, our milk price per gallon is still uh, $4.59. $4. We haven't raised mm-hmm. price on milk, you know, so that's a margin that we just keep razor thin and we're just going to keep, keep it at that price. You know, our, our mission is, is sort of to provide high quality name brand prices, name brand goods at a really good price. So people can walk in and go, wow, this is, this is great. You know, and that's what we call it. You know, the, the grocery outlet. Wow. You know, yeah. when people see a, uh, uh, you know, honeycomb, you know, hand packed for, you know, $7, where normally it's like $20, you know, or, or as we said earlier, a wine or something like that, that just comes in at at an incredible price. You know, as we would probably all agree, you know, we're not food museums, you know, we want customers come in, we want them to get their stuff and, and be happy and go home and enjoy it. Yeah. We're talking about inflation and the rising cost of food with three local grocers who have to contend with customers on one side and suppliers on the other. We're joined by Eric Litschwager, independent operator of the Grocery Outlet in the Mission in San Francisco. Esteban Morales, operations manager for El Molino Supermarket in Concord. And Chi Dixon, marketing and communications manager at Berkeley Bowl. We're going to start taking some of your calls after the break. We're, we want to know what questions you may have for these grocers or if you've adjusted the way that you shop. Do you have tips for your fellow listeners that you've adopted as prices have really gone wild? The number, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQD Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about inflation and the rising cost of food with three local grocers. We've got Chi Dixon, marketing and communications manager at Berkeley Bowl. Eric Litschwager, independent operator of the grocery outlet there in the Mission in San Francisco. And Esteban Morales, uh, operations manager for El Molino Supermarket in Concord. 
Let's bring in Robert in San Francisco. First call, welcome. Hi, good morning. It's Robert in San Francisco, which is one of the foodie capitals of the world. <laughs> True. Uh, I shop at Trader Joe's on a regular basis, and uh, they must have a secret sauce about their company culture, the fact that they seem to create an entertaining and engagement uh, entertaining and engaging experience when you shop there. The people and the staff are very friendly and helpful. Uh, they seem to rotate them in different positions. But that being said, as far as pricing is concerned, they seem to have held the line on price increases. Is that mm-hmm. because of the sheer size of the company? Uh, what is their secret sauce, and how that's can a- that be translated into their competitors? Yeah, Robert, that's a great uh, question. I know um, that the National Grocers Association, which is a bunch of independent grocers, might say that consolidation in the grocery business has aided a lot of the big players in uh, giving them more, maybe even disproportionate pricing power. Uh, but she Dixon from, from Berkeley Bowl, let's say the big guys have this advantage in being able to, you know, make bigger bulk purchases, you know, your, your Trader Joe's, your Safeway, your Kroger's. Um, what is it that Berkeley Bowl does or can do to try to counteract that sort of purchasing power? Well, for us, it's a lot about the relationships that we have with our vendors. Our buyers work really hard to cultivate relationships with the, with the vendors that we use to stock our shelves. And as a result, throughout the pandemic, we did pretty good in terms of keeping necessities on the shelf. We definitely ran out of toilet paper like everybody else did, <laughs> you know, and there was definitely a run on, sh- on lentils and beans. But for the most part, we were able to keep our shelves really well stocked throughout the pandemic because of those relationships that we have. We have, you know, similar to Trader Joe's, we do have private label items, which allow us a different kind of access to some things like our eggs. We have our own chicken. That's like the house three- brand. That's what you're private. Yeah, house brand. exactly. Our house brand. So we have 3,000 chickens up in Petaluma that those are our chickens. They're going to lay our eggs. We're always going to have those eggs. And we're able to control the prices a little better on something like that. But because we are an independent grocery with only two locations, you're exactly right. We don't have the leverage that a larger corporation would have. We do have to rely on our relationships with our vendors, our vendors understanding that our customers are going to be consistent and come in and be looking for those things and our vendors support for what we do in order to keep things, you know, in order to keep our prices competitive and in order to keep our shelves stocked, both of which are really challenging through the pandemic and then the ensuing you know, supply chain issues that we're all suffering under. Yeah. You know, Eric, uh, as I understand it, before you worked for Grocery Outlet, you worked for TJ's. You worked for Trader Joe's, yeah? What, what would you say, how does Trader Joe's yeah. control costs in the way that they do? Yeah, it's a great question. I could probably speak pretty well to that. Um, you know, I, I would agree with the caller. It's uh, with, with uh, Charles. It's, uh, it's a wonderful company to work for. Um, great company culture. Um, in, but it is a corporation, very large one, and it's owned by Aldi Foods, He's probably one of the largest uh, retail grocers in the world. They own thousands of uh, uh, discount stores in Europe. Um, So, you know, they've got quite a bit of buying power. You know, Grocery Outlet, uh, or I should say, sorry, uh, Trader Joe's does a lot of private labeling. So when vendors bring them a product and they find they like it, um, and it's something that they want to carry, they'll just buy the recipe um, and they'll buy that formulation. and Mm. And then they just hammer away at at cost to try to keep that cost down i don't find them to be all that cheap uh like they used to be Uh, they seem to be coming more in line but it's hard to compare one 
product to another when it's a private label. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and, and I think that's one of the ways that they sort of dodge that. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as grocery outlet goes, we're, you know, we're, our, our thing is, you know, vendors come to us, like, let's say, good example of this this morning um, is we received Naked Juice, and you might be familiar with mm-hmm. Naked Juice. So Naked Juice had an overrun of a particular product, uh, okay, blueberry smoothie, it's in a 10-ounce <laughs> bottle, um, and it's, it's going to expire on, on the 9th of August, mm-hmm. and I ordered in 200 cases of it. And we're selling them four for a dollar, mm. so that's just an amazing deal. It's still aren't they? Good they're product. normally like two ninety nine. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, each, yeah, yeah. each, yeah. And 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 we've still actually got a pretty decent margin on that. Now, I probably won't sell all of that product. I will probably end up throwing some of it away or donating it, yeah. which is usually what we do when something hits that expiration. But you know, we'll we'll get in it. We'll we'll blow it out and. Uh, and take our chances and see what happens. Um, and we do that a lot. Yeah, we do that a lot. Good that, for, no, it's just for us. It, that's the kind of thing that creates excitement and gets people in the door and makes them happy and feel like they're getting a, a good deal, which they are. Got a, a great grocer question here. And Esteban, I'm going to go to you first on this one, but if, if somebody else uh, has, a, has a thought, uh, jump in. Liz writes, during the pandemic, I wanted to enter and exit Safeway as quickly as possible and started to buy $5 bags of vegetables and fruits. Are these way overpriced? Should I simply add several fruits into a plastic bag instead? Uh, yeah, I mean, most of those... Uh those things were like, it's prepackaged. You're going to have a, a little bit more of a markup than if you would have picked it yourself because of the, the labor that takes uh, doing that. But yeah, um, I find it's, it's easier and it's uh, to go and grab little things at a time. A lot of people have been trying to do that. Uh, try to go in and out quick, not trying to buy their entire uh, grocery list for the month or for a couple of weeks. They'll just go in um, with a short list, go in and out and like that. And then, yeah, we saw that in the pandemic was a, uh, making sure we can move our lines quickly and feel like people weren't crowded inside. And that kind of gave a little bit more of a peace of mind once you were uh, shopping inside as well. Yeah. Um, let's bring in ZZ from Brentwood. Welcome, ZZ. Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for calling. Oh, yeah. I am a fan of Grocery Outlet. I have to say I love Grocery Outlet. I've never been to Brooklyn Bowl, but my daughter go to UC Brooklyn, and she said very good things about it, I have to say. Uh, my only concern is Grocery Outlet is inconsistency. You can never go in there for something that you purchased that you wanted and get out. It's like sometimes they have these groceries and sometimes they don't. And then when it comes to expiration date as well, as Eric just mentioned, a lot of times the things are expired. You have to tell the manager, hey, can you guys take this out of the shelf? That's my concern with them. It's like, okay, if you guys are getting deals, that's good, but can you get deals that is not expiring? And also, can you be consistent with your groceries? Because it's like I love going there, I have good bargain, but you never get the same thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Eric, what do you think? We um we have gotten a few um callers who love Grocery Outlet and have very strong feelings about various things about Grocery Outlet. What what would yeah, you say to yeah, ZZ? For yeah. sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, definitely, you won't find expired product on my shelves. Uh, you know, I can't speak to other 
operators or their their methods and procedures. But for us, if it's expired, it comes off the shelf immediately. Um, if uh, you know, it may have a day or two left, but to us, that's fine. It depends on the item. You know, people still want it. You know, if, like I said, if we're selling juices at four for a dollar, they're they're gonna they don't they're gonna grab it. They're, they think that's a great deal. Um, but as far as consistency, yeah, we hear that a lot. We always try to tell people, look, shop us first, you know, bring your grocery shopping list, come in, see if we've got it. Cause you'll save a lot of money. And if we don't have it, then, you know, then make your trip over to Safeway. You know, you know, we all have certain gripes. Like one of my gripes is we never have yeast. You know, we sell flour, we sell sugar, we sell everything for baking huh. and we don't have yeast. So it drives me nuts. Um, and, Red Star, Red Star, not kicking in uh, <laughs> into the ecosystem. Yeah. So it's yeah, it totally agree. But in a way, that also keeps it exciting because you never know you're going to come in and and yeah, that product's gone. Uh, you know that deal's done. We won't get it again. But you know, there will be something else in its place. You know, and for me, it keeps it exciting. I mean, a twenty thousand square foot store, I I like it changing all the time because it's fun. You know, yeah. find all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Hi, thank you. Um, yeah, on that last comment, I have friends that just love going to grocery outlet and they're happy to find the new discoveries and they're very flexible in, in what they what they eat. I um, I prefer to I like to eat the same organic food, specific products I've researched that I'm comfortable with. And I um, go for decades now, I've been going to El Cerrito Natural on San Pablo Avenue in, in El Cerrito. It's very convenient to my work, to my social life, to um, all the stuff I do. And it's so easy to get there. I, I can, I pull up, usually there's a place right in front. If not, I can park right around the corner um, I don't mess, even mess with their little parking lot anymore. And that's, that's um, a habit that's costing me a lot of money hmm. because they've never been cheap. The prices are going up like everywhere. And I really know that for my food budget, I'm not rich and I need, I need to really change some of my, hmm. um, my shopping behavior, but it's just so hard to do and i know i can zip in there i can grab i know where everything is you know i pay for it and i'm out and i every time i see the the um catch register receipt i'm like really oh my god I, I <laughs> right especially if you've been job. buying the same things for decades right it's a real it can be a real sticker shock i you know chi dixon you know i imagine that uh, like Jesse and and Jesse's grocery store in El Cerrito, you have many many customers like this at Berkeley Bowl who've been going to mm -hmm. Berkeley Bowl buying the exact same things for twenty years, and they're going like, "What do I do?" Like, what do you as a as a grocer as like a member of the community? Like, what responsibility do you feel to those people to sort of like help them find the deals, help them find a way to continue to to eat in the way that makes them feel good and healthy, but also you know, not break their own bank. Sure. I mean, there's so many steps in the process and I believe this show ends at 10 o'clock, so I'm not sure we can go over <laughs> all of them. But, you know, there's so many factors involved in it right now. The supply chain shortage really hurt everybody from the top down. So the folks that are actually growing products or growing crops to create the products, they have an issue because, you know, they weren't able to get seed or they weren't able to have 
the labor to actually farm their farms. And then that in turn turns into fewer, less product going to the manufacturers who now are manufacturing much less product, but they still have the same demand, which allows them to drive the prices up. And then it goes on to our vendors who are then distributing this. So we still have a hundred vendors who are trying to distribute things to us, but each one of them has a little bit less product. So the demand is higher and other companies or you know, other grocers might be willing to pay a little bit more. So we either lose out or we pay on the items that we're trying to bring in. And then it comes to us putting it on the shelf. Like if it cost us $8 and we're selling it for seven, we're going to have to lay people off and close the store. So that's not really going to work either. So we try to get in, you know, if it costs us and nothing, I, I, this is just a hypothetical price, but if it costs us $8, we'll try to get it on the shelf for like $8 and 10 cents or $8 and 15 cents. We keep those margins really, really thin. And we hope that like opening up the doors and not, you know, not having the, the, the entrance to the market metered anymore is going to help us improve the number of people that come in so that we'll be able to maintain some sort of balance within our books that allow us to keep things open, to keep the prices at a reasonable place, to make sure that we are taking care of our employees and our customers. It's really kind of chaotic when you look at it. And unfortunately, right now, the fact of the matter is inflation is hitting all of us. It's hitting us all from different directions. You know, there's only so much we can do in terms of keeping the prices at a at a price where we're still able to operate. Um, it's it's okay. hopefully getting better, but we're not quite there yet. You know, we don't we don't operate like grocery outlet, which incidentally I still miss the two pound box of salami or two pound bag of salami ends <laughs> that I bought there one time. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's we're, we don't operate like that where we have one thing that we buy in huge bulk and then we sell it at, at huge mm-hmm. discounts. We have consistent items that are on the shelves all the time that people expect. And people notice when things are missing. You know, we were out of a particular brand of hummus and I got six emails about it. So <laughs> That's <laughs> the most Berkeley Bowl thing. Um, yes, I understand that. Yeah. People need their well, hummus, particularly the one that I they a, like. <laughs> exactly. And actually, the chia seeds bill that we had the other day in the aisle, that was kind of the most Berkeley Bowl thing <laughs> that can ever happen to have to say over the PA system. So, you know, that kind of thing. We're trying to be consistent and keep things in stock. But, you know, it's not the grocers, the grocers, and I think most people who run a grocery store will agree. We don't set the prices. We're not out to gouge anybody. We're not trying to make huge profits off a bag of coffee. We want to provide a service, especially smaller grocers. We want to provide a service to the community. So we're going to do the best we can to offer the best competitive pricing. We are subject to outside factors, though. Let's bring in uh, Albert in Fairfield with a really crucial question here. Hey, Albert. Hi. The question that I have is, on a small and a small price product, let's say of a, a tub of cream cheese, that costs let's say two dollars and fifty cents on average, can sell up to five dollars and more, and somewhere in between. That is a difference in price that I just can't understand. Right, right. Kind of seems to go against the rules of economics, right? <laughs> it's the same price yeah, everywhere. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's often in products that in that price range, even like butter, you can see. Get a butter for three dollars a certain brand in one store, and it's five dollars or six dollars in another. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Double the price. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. How would how would you think about that? I mean, I'm sure you notice that when you're you know maybe you only shop in your store, but you probably see prices in in other places. Are there certain products where you think like, oh man, that's one where the price really swings, or where you know that doesn't make sense that this product can can be so expensive in some places? Uh, yeah, we we do tend to see that. Um, where people always have something to say about the prices is the uh, avocados. Mm, um, yes. Everybody is. Everybody has their own opinion on 
where they like to get their avocados. And that's something that people, again, yeah, they have a very different price disparity, whether you go to one grocery or go to another, people uh, can have them. We had a sale uh, recently for 99 cents per, uh, per avocado. Yeah. And they flew. <laughs> they I should have driven out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. People were trying to drive out, but yeah, no, we, we see those ones. That's, that's where we see the most where everyone is concerned about what, what the price is. Cause that people will determine where they want to shop based on their avocados. So Eric, do you think there's other products like that, that are kind of people use as like an index of like price increase or decrease where they kind of go like, okay, if eggs are this much, this is an expensive store. If eggs are, you know, this much more or this much less, that's a cheap store. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I do that all the time. Cause I, I, I love the food industry. So I I'm always popping into different grocery stores just cause mm-hmm. I want to see what they're doing and what they're charging. And yeah, I can, uh, feel for the, the customer's uh, question. I don't get it either. You know, yeah. um, I, I'm like, uh, I think this product just is going to sit here. No one's going to, going to pay for that, but they have their business model and, you know, like a draggers where they just charge the maximum on everything, you know, and people walk out with two bags of groceries and spend 300, $400. It's incredible, but they cater to a different customer. You know, they're, they're, they're after a a different market segment. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's just something that I'm not going to do. And, and I'm not going to pay those prices and I'll look and I'll, you know, might, might buy some unique item there, but I never would walk out with, you know, your full bag of groceries. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like avocados, you know, across the board, that is our number one selling product. So obviously people want that, you yeah. know, they want a good price on it and that's something we got to get in and have a good deal on. Yeah. So I can I can agree with that. Uh, why, oh wait, hold on, hold on, think, just one sec. We got to go to break in in just a second. We're talking about inflation, the rising cost of food. We've got three wonderful local grocers: Eric Litschwager, independent operator of Grocery Outlet in the Mission; Chi Dixon, marketing and communications manager at Berkeley Bowl; and Esteban Morales, operations manager for El Molino Supermarket in Concord. You can give us a call. What questions do you have for them? Things you can't figure out about the grocery industry? It's eight six six seven three three six seven eight six, or you can leave us a comment. We're going to get some of your comments uh, right after the break. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary.
Coming up in the next hour with Mina Kim, Governor Newsom declared a public health state of emergency this week to address the rapid spread of monkeypox in the state as vaccines are in short supply in many California counties. We'll talk about the state response and take your questions about monkeypox and how to best stay protected. To listen to past shows and subscribe to the podcast, visit kqed.org forum for the latest updates on everything. Find us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, or KQED Forum. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the rising cost of food. We're talking with three local grocers who, like you, are dealing with the effects of inflation. We've got Chi Dixon, marketing manager at Berkeley Bowl, Eric Litschwager, independent operator of the Grocery Outlet in the Mission in San Francisco, of course, and Esteban Morales, operations manager for El Molino Supermarket in Concord. One more shout out for the tortillas. They're so good from El Molino if you find them in, uh, in stores around or, or go out there to Concord. Um, we have a bunch of listener uh, comments coming in. A um, couple just to, to read. Uh, Tyler writes, I recently read Helitown, Oakland's History of Development and Disruption by Mitchell Schwartzer. Side note, if you want to hear more about that without reading the book, we did a show uh, with Mitchell. And Tyler was shocked to learn that in 1943, there were 82 Safeway stores in the city of Oakland, small stores located on neighborhood commercial streets. Today, there's just six. All supermarkets, mostly in wealthier and whiter parts of the city. Another listener writes, I've moved to store brands, Safeways, on some generic things, not buying as many multiples as when we feared shortages. Pre-pandemic used to spend around $60 to $70 a week. Now it's $90 to $110. Fortunately, I had the resources. Unfortunately, not true for many. We also have, uh, Eric, this is coming to you. We have a bunch of questions coming in about expiration dates. Here's a couple. Okay, just a sample of the comments here on this. One listener tweets, this culture of expiration dates is so wasteful. If you throw out juice, do you dump the juice and recycle the bottle or throw everything out in the garbage? Touched on waste and threw away the product. Can laws be changed? Can stores do a better job donating? Hungry families don't care about expiration dates. Educate the public on expiration dates. John writes, I love grocery outlets and I don't mind buying bargains that are near their expiration date because I take the expiration dates with a grain of salt. However... My girlfriend follows expiration dates religiously. Is there a law in California that says you can't sell food after its, quote, expiration date? Recently, I bought great Parmesan cheese at Grocery Outlet that was at or near its expiration date for pennies on the dollar, which didn't bother me because it's the type of cheese that's supposed to be aged. So, Eric, give us a little education on sort of the regulations about expiration dates and how, I mean, you don't have to speak for your whole store on the sort of how you think about expiration dates for your... For your own self, though, like if you have well, cheese that's gone by expiration, how do you think about it? Sure, sure. I, and, and I agree with all of that. Um, you know, selling selling product that's expired is not doing my customers any favors. So we don't do it. You know, it hits. We, we took our chance. We ordered it. We got it in. If we can't sell it by the end of the expiration date, it we pull it off the shelf. Does it go in the trash? No. Um, we have a, a location center in the store where we build up pallets. And um, uh, about three times a week, we take that product to the local food banks. Um, and in fact, we work with several community organizations in the mission 
that um, are food banks and they're buying product from us because they get it cheaper from us at our, our retail than they can find it wholesale. So we're actually contributing probably thousands and thousands of pounds of food to local food banks. Um, and one of them, for instance, we create grocery bags so that they can uh, provide families with that when they've got to stay home and, and quarantine. Mm -hmm. um, as far as regulations, we do have to have an agreement, uh, at least in San Francisco, to show that we do have a working relationship with uh, food. And I would say primarily the only food that goes in the garbage is maybe just fruit that's just, you know, damaged, squashed or you know, and, and it's probably only a couple hundred pounds hmm. uh, a week. Uh, everything else is utilized um, mm -hmm. because, you know, it, because we can get it over there so quickly, you know. Yeah. So I, I saw about 200 jars of uh, Skippy peanut butter that was expired. Um, I'm sure there's nothing wrong with it, um, and, uh, but it's expired. We're not going to sell it, and we just give it to the food bank. And yeah. you it's know, distributed by the next day. Esteban, what do you think about um, expiration dates in this way? Do you think, like the, the our listener said, you, you know, he takes them with a grain of salt? Um, is that the way you take it, or are you pretty like cut and dry? No, but, but eat before the date, do not eat after the date. Um, well, um, I'm a little sometimes grain of salt, but I'm on the same uh, thing as Eric. We don't we don't want to see um, an expired label on our shelf, so if we yeah. see, uh, we'll we'll pull that. Um, it just it gives a gives everybody a little bit more peace of mind for those that are more concerned um, who do follow it follow it very religiously. Uh, mm -hmm. We understand uh, some people do, so yeah, we don't like to see it on there. Same thing um, for us, our our employees. We kind of let them have a have a free pick of whatever we're gonna either uh, have to dump out or or find another place for. Uh, so they they enjoy when we order a little too much or something. <laughs> um, but uh, no, yeah, like you said. Uh, um, yeah, we try to we try to use everything and keep it keep it uh, to when it's fresh and and new and make sure that something doesn't sit too long to where something uh, can happen because yeah we don't want we don't yeah. want things sitting if they're expiring on our shelves we're we're doing sure. something wrong. Sure. Um, we've got a uh, caller Mel in Sausalito. Welcome, Mel. Hi, thank you, Alexis. Um, I also wanted to bring up um, not just inflation uh, that we're experiencing now, but uh, there's an NPR article about the Mexican drug cartels mm -hmm. and the avocado and lime business. Mm -hmm. And when we're purchasing, grocers are purchasing um, produce from outside of the U.S., outside of California, there is another price that, um, that we pay as consumers, which is we're purchasing, we want our cheap avocados from Mexico, but there's a human price that comes with that cheap avocado. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm wondering what our grocers are doing to try and make um, California produce more affordable. I know it's very difficult to get California avocados um, that are not 99 cents. Yeah. So I wanted That's to ask um, how grocers are purchasing uh, those produce products that have um, drug ties to them. Yeah. And maybe I, I might even extend it a, a little more. Chi, this is going to come to you. Um, I, I am curious about how you end up trying to balance the sourcing of your products with keeping the prices low in this kind of inflationary period. Right. <laughs> the drug cartel question comes to me. Um, <laughs> we're, we're actually pretty sensitive about the way that we, we fill our shelves and the way that we stock our store. 
um, you know, we're in Berkeley and there's sort of an ethos in Berkeley where we're responsible for doing things the right way. So we do try to maintain our relationships in, with, you know, we do try to re retain relationships with vendors that are local. We work with people, you know, minority and black owned businesses and, and, and women owned businesses. Those are all important factors to us to bringing products in house. And I think we do a pretty good job of it. Um, you know, the produce in, in and of itself specifically, that's sort of our heart and soul here. Berkeley Bowl was founded as a produce market. So we have longstanding relationships with our vendors. We trust them. We go directly to the farms on a regular basis. There's a number of farms, Masumoto, uh, Tomatero, that we work with directly rather than going through brokers to get the products into our stores. So we know where the products are coming from. And because we've had longstanding relationships, I feel like I'm bragging a little bit like the most popular girl, but these, these relationships that we have with these farmers have helped us a great deal. You know, we help them when we can to make sure that we're moving produce that they might not be able to move anywhere else or that they might not be able to move in the volume that they move anywhere else. And they help us by maintaining the lowest prices possible whenever we are possible. Our produce buyers are magicians, genuinely in terms of what they're able to get their hands on and the prices that they're able to acquire. So while mayonnaise may cost, you know, a couple of cents more when you buy it here, when it's from one of the big brands, you're not gonna get early girl tomatoes anywhere else at such a great price that we can offer because we've been working with that farm since they started that farm, mm -hmm. you know? And so they rely on us and we rely on them. It's a very mutually beneficial reciprocal relationship. Um, so, you know, we, we know our, we know where our sources are. We know what the, what the people do. We, we know we have the faces of the farmers in, in mind when we go to purchase the products. And that helps us a great deal in making yeah. sure that the products that are ethically sourced and, and mindfully selected. And, and helps you make up for some of those, the scale buying of the, the bigger chains, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Um, we got a great, uh, question from Maya kind of following up on this. My rights. I'm curious what the guests have found with the costs of local products. Local products. I found that by some miracle, local Sonoma Clover milk has hardly changed in price at Whole Foods here in San Jose. Our local farmers market vendors have also not changed their prices. So I wonder if local products haven't gone up as much in price. Um, Esteban, you want to tackle that one? Yeah, um, so we have a few a few local uh, products on our shelves here. There's a, a few honey um, jars guys that, that work around here in Concord that uh, that'll bottle and will sell um, through our store. Uh, but the local stuff, they try to yeah try to keep your prices down because the same thing we're there. A lot of times people are making things um, like that, like honey stuff, out of a passion. They want to kind of contribute somehow, and mm -hmm. uh, they're not again not out to become millionaires or something but uh <laughs> a lot of times local people um want to look out for their local community so they don't want to again try to increase already a, a price that they would expect to be high um so, so like yeah i think that the local stuff is is uh they're trying to keep keep things uh, nice in their area so yeah what what do you think, Eric? Do you think the local food producers have been able to keep their prices steadier or or not? Um, yes, I you know, for instance, like for some of our egg vendors or milk producers, uh, good case in point, they're they're all up in Petaluma. So, you know, for them, the only things that have really changed are the costs of feed or fuel for transportation. For the milk producers, there was a some difficulty for a while in them getting the plastic pucks that they used to hmm. 
make the gallon containers um, and the price had gone up like 60%. Jeez. Um, but it didn't, it didn't translate to a, a big increase in the product itself. It came up a little bit, um, but they didn't have to pass on this, you know, dramatic cost increase. Um, so yeah, of course, you know, anything, any way you can cut down on transportation costs, I think it's going to keep that, help keep that overall cost low. Yeah. Let's bring in another caller, Jessica from Brooklyn. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I actually, so I'm from San Francisco, born and raised, and I've, I live in New York now, but I still listen to forums, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. And my comment is really um, about something that you guys already talked about, which is food waste and expiration dates and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked at the Whole Foods in Noe Valley in 2012 to 2013, and I worked primarily in the dairy department. And, you know, if you don't rotate the stock, people are just going to pull what's in the front and things inevitably get, you know, they get past expiration date. And the policy was to put things in the back and then throw them away. And occasionally we were allowed to put things in the break room, but by and large at Whole Foods, I threw away so much, uh, so many dairy products, yogurt, milk, eggs, uh, things that are not cheap and things that were really not spoiled. You know, Um, they had some areas where we would put things for food bank, but it really wasn't in terms of for like, it wasn't for dairy so much. And I was always really upset because, you know, I got a job at Whole Foods thinking, these, you know, this was 10 years ago, but thinking that they cared about the community and that they cared about, you know, not wasting food. And then I went to work at Rainbow for three years, and that was a much different and much better experience mm-hmm. for me. And for we, those who don't you know, know it, Rainbow co-op there uh, in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Worker owned uh, co-op. And because it's a worker owned co-op, basically everything that gets wasted, you know, we're paying for it. And so we, I was able to eat really well for free a lot of the time because we didn't just throw away spoiled product. We would either make sure that it went to the break room so that other workers could eat it. We also, you know, donate to the food bank. Rainbow also, there was just so much more flexibility and around like how to handle expired products, especially, you know, expiration dates. I think grain of salt, gray area, smell the milk. You know, look at <laughs> look at what look at what it is that you're trying to eat or throw away based on that date. But I think that, um, you know, I just I was really disappointed uh, working at Whole Foods and I couldn't wait to get out of there based around stuff like that, because that's yeah. really important to me and my values as a San Franciscan born and raised. Yeah. Again, like Rainbow was always in the back of my mind. And so when I started working there, I was it was like night and day seeing how much uh, care Rainbow puts in to both the worker health and also the health of the community. And as, as you know, where it's located, there have been a lot of encampments around there. And there's just like a lot more flexibility around giving away food yeah. instead of throwing it in the trash because we can't make a profit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jessica, let me um, ask you one quick thing before I let you go. And then I'm going to do a little round robin on the same question with our with our panel here. What's like a tip as like a grocery insider? What's a tip you have for people for shopping to like save a little money? Oh man, well it's different out here in New York, um, but I would say generally I shop a lot at Trader Joe's. Uh, that's what the cheap option is out here. I also 
actually tend to shop at the Dollar Tree. They do have a lot of frozen foods, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's good to stock up on fruits and whatever. But the bottom line is you probably can't get everything you need in one place if you want to save money. And that is the bummer part, right, especially if you're driving around. But, you know, in New York, I don't drive. Out in San Francisco, I drove. I would go to Costco. I would go to Target. I would any place that has food, you know, and just shop around and look for the deals. Yeah. Also, I encourage people to ask the grocers. Do you know when this product is going to go on sale again? Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that, because Mm -hmm. they do know, or if they don't, they'll look it up for you. And they, especially at Rainbow, plug for Rainbow. um, (laughs) I think this month they're doing, if you're a student, uh, they're doing 15% off if you have a valid student ID. So shout out to all students in the Bay. Go shop at Rainbow, get a discount, you know, keep your eyes open for stuff like that. Yeah. All right, Jessica. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, come back to San Francisco. We'll take you back with with open arms. Um, Chi, how about you, Grocery Insider? What's your quick tip for people who are trying to save some money? Um, I would say shop carefully. Look at the prices. Consider that when you see something that's in a bulk bag and and it says it's on sale, if you're not if you're not going to use ten avocados, you haven't saved any money. So go and look at the price for one avocado and buy the one because. You know how they go from fresh to no good in like seconds. <laughs> um, you know, like be mindful of what you're putting into your basket. Do you really need to buy, you know, something that that's going to go to waste before you can get to it? You're not saving any money by doing that. Um, I fortunately in Berkeley in the Bay Area, we're able to shop frequently. I used to live in New York as well. And all winter long, all it was was apples and potatoes. So <laughs> that was no good for me. Um, but here you're able to shop and get fresh produce all the time. So don't be afraid to come into the stores. People are doing things that, you know, companies are doing things to help keep everybody healthy. Um, And shopping frequently allows you to, at least it helps me to prevent food waste. Yeah. Eric, uh, how about you? Your quick tip. Well, I I hate to tell you this, but I'm- You're like, shop at Grocery Outlet. Shop at Grocery Outlet (laughs) if you want to save money. Um, You know, and because you will. I have to say, it's not just you. We've had so many calls about Grocery Outlet. You should feel very proud. Um, People. Yeah, thank you. And, and, and it's, you know, we, I have a team of people, that's all they do is monitor expiration dates, you know, and if we see something getting close to an expiration date, we start dropping the price, Um, you know, because obviously we don't want to throw it away. Um, Or, or, you know, if we can sell it for a couple of pennies, and it helps people, great let's let's do that and yeah you know otherwise a lot of times we'll just give it away um but you know if you're in our stores you see something getting close to an expiration date ask us maybe we'll just go ahead and mark it down for you say sure yeah good idea let's let's drop it down Uh, thank you we have have the ability to do that thank you so much that's eric litschwager independent operator of grocery outlet in the mission in san francisco we've also been joined by chi dixon marketing communications manager at berkeley bowl and esteban morales Operations Manager for El Molino Supermarket in Concord. Thank you all so much for joining us. And thank for all your calls and comments. Really an impressive array of approaches to dealing with uh, these inflationary times. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for another hour of Form Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. 
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.